welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace, and I'm excited, Bob, about our guest today, Christian Flowers, who's a corporate attorney, passionate about helping entrepreneurs build and structure their business, but was born and raised in Hawaii and then moved on to California and then married Alexandra, who was from Alabama, and they started, or I guess it was from her family business, the Stone Hollow Farmstead. So I'm excited to get into the conversation with him, but one of the things that you and I have been talking about a lot, especially writing into our new book, is about perspective. And how perspective, the way we view the world and even our career can be the thing that makes or breaks it for a kingdom occupation. It's so interesting because we tell people all the time, your identity isn't your profession. Your identity is that you're a loved son or daughter of Christ. But our perspective so often is formed by what we're doing every day, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think our identity, number one, is we're a loved son, daughter. But I do think that there's a part of our identity now I'm... I would contradict my book, The Throne Room Company, where I said, what we do isn't who we are in God, but there is something about what we do comes out of who we are in God once right. you have your identity. And so I think for people with careers, a lot of times they get confused because God strips them of some level of performance. And so sometimes even things fall apart a little bit for some career people when they really surrender their career to God because he wants to make it with them. But I think when you have a perspective on why you have this calling or this appointment here on the earth, you get that that kingdom mindedness about what does God want to do through this. That changes the whole thing because you're no longer limited to your network, your resources, what you can do in your talent, your gift. You always feel like an imposter because you're just following God's footsteps versus like, I can do this. I can make this. Or, you know, I can partner with God. Mm-hmm. He, I can actually partner with God. I can ask him. He can give me direction. I can tell him what I'm thinking. I can give him my ideas. And all of a sudden, God's speaking through his word, through other people, um, through dreams or prophetic words that he's giving us. And we're, we're actually in partnership with God. It just, it sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Well, it does. For you, I mean, because you've had a career now for over 40 years. And uh, for you... Do you look back and say, wow, my first real season of success, I could recognize how I partnered with God? Or was it more like you didn't have language for it yet, but you knew it was happening? Or what was it like? I I didn't have language for it. And when you're young and when you're in the first years of your career, you're putting one foot in front of the other. You're trying to listen to the Lord, but you're going out and you're and you're doing what you think the call is. And I've told you this before, I write strategic plans. And so when you you get a couple of years past your strategic plan, and then you look back at it and you say, oh my gosh, I hit this mark, but not any of the ways that I thought I would. All these things, you know, got opened up in a different way. And so having the perspective of this is where I think God's calling me and I'm, that's my, the direction I'm going. But as I'm on the road there, he's going to tell me what off ramps to take or on ramps. Yeah. I just look at you now. Cause I was last year. Was it last year? I had the opportunity to go to one of your big painting jobs. I think it was the beginning of last year. I think. And, um, and it's one of the wonders of the world. So it's one of the biggest structures ever built. I'm keeping with my NDA. I'm not saying what it is, but um, it was amazing to watch. Like I'm going through, cause I know you and I've known you for a number of years now, 
But to walk through and meet all your employees and your contractors and your people and whatever, painting all the different spaces and rooms. And we just kept going and meeting more of your people. And I'm watching like this job that this group that's painting literally one of the biggest projects in our history that they trusted you guys to be the contractors. And just thinking of you 40 years ago when you were just painting houses yourself. Right. Like what a difference painting one of the most important buildings in history, modern history to I'm painting people's houses and just trying to have integrity. Like you never know like where God's taking you. And I know, of course, like knowing you in this stage, because I've known you in your later years, that God would of course raise you up and do this for you because of how you are extravagant. You're giving, you think your time, your energy, your finances, everything you do. But like back then when you were just believing you were following God, not going into ministry, but doing business, because that's what you felt to do. I mean, what would you have told yourself if you could have seen this? I don't know. I, I know <laughs> this, though. I know this, that back in those days, it was like we'd get the map and we'd say, OK, the job is on 450 B Street on the 12th floor on, you know, suite 1251. And you'd walk in and you walk around and there's an office to paint. And so, you know, you'd go off a map to get to these jobs. Wow. And then later in the career, you'd say, oh, it's off Highway 5 on this exit and you can see it from the freeway. And it, the most incredible thing to me was the, the structure of building a business, you know, one step in front of the other from yeah. small to a little bit bigger to a little bit bigger in a process over 40 years. It just doesn't happen overnight for 99% of us. 90, for 99% of us, we have a process and a journey over time. And, and yeah. you've experienced that too, haven't you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally time. I mean, everyone I've met who got rich quick or did one of the tech companies who had overnight success, they still had to learn the same lessons, but on the back end. It's kind of like when you're dating as a Christian, when you're dating, you want to get as much resolved before you get married as far as how you're going to do conflict, how you're going to do, you know, any any stuff you have to work out. If you have any struggles, you want to like be honest with them and start working on those beforehand because it gets amplified more after the success of getting married. And saying yes, all of a sudden it becomes bigger in the marriage than before the marriage. And I feel it's the same if people get rich quick or they have huge opportunities fast. It seems to me it's harder to deal with their issues on the other end because there's so many things competing with it. So that's one of the reasons why I like the perspective of if you're not in a season of massive success, but you're just putting one step in front of the other, mm -hmm. deal with as much as your junk as you can and you know, deal with as much as your integrity stuff, your character as you can, and be really diligent because. On the other end, it hurts too much. Right. And God's looking for us to be faithful in the small things um, over and over and over again. And he grows them and he promises that. And our guest, Christian, who you're just going to love, um, started in ministry and and he felt God's calling and he, he kept following God's calling. And now he's an attorney building structures for clients wow. and companies and and um, he married, he, like you and I, he upgraded. He, he married a, a beautiful woman who they have a regenerative farm. And you're just going to love this story. So Christian's next. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transiting God Mentoring, 
where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Well, welcome to Exploring the Marketplace, and I'm so excited to have Christian Flowers on, who I'm meeting today through you, Bob. This is amazing, and I love everything I'm hearing about you already, Christian. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. Excited to hang out with you for the next little bit. We're having conversations about just we're exploring the marketplace and people who are doing you know, things with their relationship with God, and they're believing for a result that can't happen just on your own. And Bob started telling me about what you're doing, you know, with your background. And I love the fact that you were born and raised in Hawaii on the islands and also that you attended Pepperdine, which is the school I wanted to go to most in life. And I didn't get to go there, but I, I still live vicariously and have been to the campus many, many times. Uh, Bob's going to ask you the first question, but I just want to say, as somebody who uh, lived in Alabama for a long time and then also live in California and visited Hawaii almost every year for many years, I feel like a kindred spirit. <laughs> oh, wow. I had, Sean, I had no idea that you lived in Alabama. Twice. <laughs> oh, man, that's, a, <laughs> that's kind of throwing me for a loop there. I'm going to have to rebuild my paradigm. <laughs> well, Christian, I met you uh, 10 or 12 years ago at JH Ranch, and you were serving the Lord by serving kids and their parents. So tell us, how did you get there? And what did that experience do for you? Oh, what a great question. Um, so to make a long story short, I got recruited out of college to go spend a summer there on summer staff. And um, I ended up getting hurt before I went. So they had recruited me. I was going to be a river guide and you know take parents and their kids down the river camp out all summer and have this great experience. I ended up getting, uh, separating my shoulder. It was actually a bull, a bull riding accident, which is uh, <laughs> a whole other story. Did you so, say bull? Yeah. It's bull riding. I found out really quick that being 6'3 and 215 is not uh, an advantage. In that <laughs> exactly. but, um, yeah. So I ended up spending a lot of time on campus on at the actual program center because I wasn't out at the river because of my injury. And I really got to know a lot of the senior leadership and got to interact a lot more with the guests. And uh, they approached me and said, hey, we, we've got an opening. We need somebody to do the road show in the off season. Are you interested in um, being on full-time staff? And, you know, being 22, having everything I owned in my truck, just graduating college, uh, they were promising me adventure, a paycheck, a chance to do ministry. And this is what I, you can't really say a lot, but it's the truth is hang out with really pretty girls a lot. <laughs> and so uh, I had to pray about it for about 30 seconds and then told them absolutely. So that was my, how I ended up getting connected with Bob. Oh, wow. Now talk about the J, the J ranch, like say the name again, because I think I just got it wrong. And he's, Bob's told me about it as well, but talk about this a little bit just so the audience can hear what it's about. Yeah. The J this is what we're talking about today, but it's where you guys met. Yeah, the JH Ranch is this amazing um, place up in Northern California. It's it's if anyone's familiar with Redding, it's up past where you start going up into the grade in, in a place called the Scott Valley, which is probably one of the most beautiful places in the United States. And it is um, 
they, they call it a high adventure camp, but really what it is is a place for parents and teens to come and disconnect, mm-hmm. put their phones away and really get to spend one-on-one time That's in a curated environment. And, you know, they do things like ropes courses and river rafting that gets them out of their environment. But it's just this amazing place where fathers and sons and daughters and mothers and their sons and daughters just come and reconnect and experience the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And there's just really no other place like it in the world. So you take your life from this and you work there for a number of years to, I'm assuming, and then you, you go into law school, like what a departure, like what brought you into a place of saying, I need to go this direction. Yeah, there was actually a step in between um, where I went to Bethel for ministry school. So I was up in Reading for two oh, years. Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm, I felt God on my heart. Um, I ended up, really drawn closer to the Lord in college. And then through JH Ranch, you know, it was just like pouring gasoline on this desire for Jesus. And I knew I just, I wanted more. So that led me to Reading and Reading was really where I felt this intense weight of the need to steward the gifts that I'd been given. And I had a lot of time with the Lord where he really shook some things out of my heart. And I became convicted about stewarding my gifts and talents, you know, namely my critical faculties mm-hmm. and trying to find ways to hone those and grow those. And, you know, through amazing people and mentors and a lot of prayer, I decided to go to law school. Um, and so that was, that's kind of the short story of how I ended up there and uh, deciding to go. You know, I was in the middle of my second year. I'd studied for the LSAT kind of haphazardly. I was like, oh, well, we'll just see what happens. And then you know, ended up doing well. And then like, well, we'll just, I'm going to pretend like I'm going to apply to law school and <laughs> do what happens and ended up getting a scholarship. And before I knew it, there I was with a, with a law degree and an MBA and um, a bright new future ahead of me. So I think Christian, like one of the things that I love about you is how much you love people. And in your, in your law career, you're serving. A lawyer who loves people. Wait a minute. I know. <laughs> they do exist. I know, I know a lot of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you serve you serve people and their businesses um, in this really unique way. And I think one of the s- strong points that I'd like to kind of highlight here and talk to you about is you're a connector. You you love to connect people together. And you know, some people would use the word networker, which I I don't. That's something that I would not use for you because you you care about people. Talk to us about how. Now, uh, being an attorney allows you to connect in a different way. I'm pausing because that I, I, there's so much to unpack in that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the thing that I enjoy the most right now about it is connecting is is bringing value to the relationship, and and that term really gets thrown around a lot. Of you know, are you adding value? What can you do? But by that, I mean is there is a need that I serve and usually legal is a, uh, is in, in the business world, um, for what I do as a transactional attorney, it's it structures. You are helping business owners and entrepreneurs take their dream and provide structures for it to land on, to catch it. Wow. But the structures that I create, you know, I, I can't create everything. I don't know everything, but I know other people who do. I know other people that can help create that. And so what I love doing the way that I view it is 
these people, many of them have a, have a dream from God and they are creating something and they're breathing life into it. And I get to just provide, you know, some structure to it, to help create it, to give it life. And they fill it in. And I get to bring in other people to help lay that foundation, to make sure that it's strong enough to stand up to the dream and the weight of it as it grows and scales. And I, I just, I tell people there's nothing better than doing what I get to do. Wow. That's so That's good. Phenomenal. Most people do. You're right, Bob. Don't think about how am I going to use my social capital and invest in other people for the sake of growing who they are, unless there's a price tag attached. And so I love Christian, just your heart to pull people together. And with that, it sounds like uh, you married somebody who also has um, some massive business. Uh, I don't know what you would call it aspirations and has started a, a stone hollow farmstead tell us about that oh man so my wife and her mother are the owners of stone hollow farmstead and it is a vertically integrated farm that produces products that range from skincare to uh, food in jars um, all the way to uh, fresh cut flowers and goat cheese and they got to tell Bob what a vertically integrated farm is because he doesn't know. <laughs> it's a, yeah, so they basically from um, from the ground, basically production to taking it to market, they're all in-house. So they don't just grow the things and let someone else sell it. They do everything from growing all the food to canning it, to labeling it, to bring it in it to market themselves. So everything is in-house. And they've got a bunch of different stuff that they're doing. And it's just really neat. And they practice holistic management and regenerative farming practices. And, um, and I'm married into it for better or for worse. Um, but it's been quite a journey. And they got into it originally because my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, uh, was in this, she was in the skincare business years ago and owned a spa and was really successful with that. And she, but she grew up on a farm. And she always wanted to go back and she knew that it always had to go back to the soil, always go back to the land. And so, you know, it started as a hobby. She made goat cheese for friends one Christmas and then slowly built it into this amazing machine that my wife's now a part of. And, um, you know, I'm moonlight at as, as a day laborer and contractor. <laughs> now, now, Sean, before you go here, I want to go back to structures and, and so, Christian, you told us that you're good at building structures. So now you you have a family business, you have a law degree, and I'm sure your risk management hat's on, you're building structures, you're making sure that Stone Hollow is is on firm as firm footing as it can be. Yeah, and, and the, the beautiful part of that too is that um, my father-in-law is an accountant. So these amazingly creative entrepreneurial women have the risk manager of the attorney on one side mm -hmm. and then the accountant on the other side providing some guardrails. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, wow. It, it's, it's quite a fun combination, but I've also learned, as probably anyone who's married has, you know, what my lane is and to make sure to stick to that. <laughs> oh, and I talk about that quite a bit with our marriages, so we understand exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like us, Sean, uh, he outkicked his coverage. What I'm learning from this conversation is I don't want my wife to meet you and your wife because we're going to be going back to Alabama. 
That's right. <laughs> and, uh, there's a lot of country music in Alabama. <laughs> I don't yeah. hate country music. I just don't love country music. <laughs> no, I know. And it's a special place. And what's really funny for me um, is I get to be an ambassador of Alabama. I grew up in Hawaii. You know, I went to school in Southern California. I've lived in Northern California. I've been in some amazingly beautiful places. And a lot of times, you know, and I interact with people from all over the country and the world. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, their eyebrows kind of raise, like really Alabama, kind of like what good can come from there. And I get to be this incredible ambassador for this place and these people and say, you know what, I am from another place. I lived in these places, but I would pick Birmingham, Alabama all over again because it's Mm -hmm. the best kept secret in the world. And it's something that I'm just really proud of and enjoy being here. It's the food, the people, the culture, people like my family that are doing these regenerative farmings here. And it's, you know, I would call it ground zero for farm to table um, restaurants and where that movement started. And, you know, just the, the, the culinary capital that we have here, the way it's created, uh, it's branched out into the economy. It's just really amazing. And I'm tangentially a part of it. So I love tooting the horn for this place and what we're doing here. Christian. I'm stuck on structures. You build Uh structures. And I want you to talk about your heavenly mandate. I want you to talk about what is in the spirit? What is it? What does building structures mean to you? And tell us about your mandate. Yeah. So my story in learning about how much I love structures goes back to my first year of law school. And I had an oh shoot moment. Like I made a mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. And I was sitting in my criminal law class, and you start chronologically with cases. So you're reading cases and words from, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's English, but it doesn't sound like English. And I, re- I said under my breath out loud, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have been here. And I heard the Lord so clearly in that moment say, Christian, I have commissioned you to be high counselor to the king. And I immediately saw, like I saw it, but I didn't see it, but it was really clear that I saw it was that verse from Daniel um, about uh, the king chose people wise and learning, and they were to teach him the language of the Chaldeans, a portion of you know, food and drink to them. And at the end of three years, they would enter the king's service. And of course, I paraphrased that, but it just hit me in that moment that law school was three years and that this was a preparation time. And all of a sudden, it went from something that I was trying to figure out, maybe I should be here or not, it's the next step, to I had this mandate. And it started me on this journey whereby I I realized how much I love business. Because I, I really believe it is the most creative medium on the planet. You know, artists that sculpt, they use clay that already exists, and painters use paints, and they can create colors and, and you know, and, and, and they take things that already exist to evoke emotion. But business owners, entrepreneurs literally create something from nothing. And that changes the world. You know, I've got an iPhone in my pocket right now. When you just think about the effect that that iPhone has had, you know, we're doing this podcast virtually. And you think about what this technology have done and how much it's changed. And I consider it a mandate for my you know, for me to help these entrepreneurs and these business owners, one, protect themselves, protect them, their families, but create the structures for the greatness to fall on to be able to catch it. 
so that it can grow, that it can scale, so we can deliver these life-changing technologies, these things that generate income to uh, for the kings to steward and to give into the kingdom. And I just, I, I'm so honored to be a part of it, and I'm still discovering what that really means every day. But that's that's what I wake up thinking about, and that's what I bring to my meetings and when I'm drafting contracts and on the phone with clients. I mean, it's so incredible. I think of, you know, so many of my closest friends are entrepreneurs and are thinking the way you do kingdom wise, but I think it's brand new to a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast. And I, it just brought me to, uh, we had another guest on, who's one of my best friends named Alvin Chun, who um, he just invested in this young guy who's a chef and they ended up making these oatmeal freeze-dried balls. And it's funny, since the show aired with Alvin, they went on Shark Tank and ended up getting a deal with Barbara from Shark Tank. And I think their sales this year will be $20 million. And they're going from like $50,000 of sales to $20 million of sales. And that's the kind of thing that, and I know these guys in the kingdom, I know who they are, and I know what they're going to do with that world. And I just think so many times when we think of building the kingdom, we think of building the kingdom in a very ministerial church-centric way. And it sounds like you went from a life where you could have been, you could have been at the, the highest level of their organization in my mind. And in, in going to the Bethel School of Ministry, like there's so much that can happen in the context of ministry circles and these kinds of things. But I love that you followed your passion to help other people because there's something that's happening right now that's unique to our generation, all of history, where God is moving on people to start things, build things in the marketplace and build things in such unique ways. And so I, I just love your perspective because, uh, you know, it used to be 20 years ago when you think of people who are going to be profound in the kingdom, you think of a pastor who's going to build a church and it's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to bring, you know, transformational hubs to the community. And now we're seeing it, especially after post COVID, we're seeing, you know, people not being able to attend a church, but still having kingdom impact all over the world virtually and through their marketplace, through their business, through their career, through their job. And so I'm really inspired by what you're saying and who you are. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. And, you know, I'm a millennial and I am seeing the shift in the way millennials are thinking about church. And I know that there's there's both good and bad. But in my experience, you know, my friends that are in the marketplace that love Jesus, we're, we're all asking this question. What does it look like to be a Christian business? Because the thing that was modeled to us is you have a Bible study on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. in the conference room. And that, mm-hmm. that's the differentiator, right? That's the thing. Well, you know, what makes you guys followers of Jesus? Well, hey, we get together, you know, on Wednesday mornings and we pray at 7 a.m. And you might have a Hebrew name in one of your names in your company, too. It, yeah. <laughs> or a you know, mission statement, you know, which is great is, you know, that you, you have it in there, which is awesome. But I think we're, we're asking, it goes, but what else? What does it look like to 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 build with Jesus? What does it look like to be an employer of believers and non-believers? You know, because like, if you're going to grow and scale, like what does it look like to have people who don't know Jesus come into this place and experience God without just, you know, plastering a Bible verse on the door or, um, you know, inviting them to the Bible study? And it's a really fun journey because I'm, I'm learning that it looks a lot like creativity. It looks a lot like generosity, and it it actually looks a lot like boundaries sometimes. You know, I'm, there's some recent experiences that I think about where, you know, I, the, on the high level, it's I think people were used to dealing with Christians, and they thought they're someone that could just, you know, really, really nice. You can kind of just bulldoze over them because they don't stand up for themselves. And I was I was actually learning in that moment 
it actually looked like standing up and being strong and, and steadfast, which was, was new for me growing up in the Christian world, right? <laughs> I'm a Christian, you turn the other cheek. You know, that was what I got taught. So there's all these new lessons that I feel like the Lord is teaching me every day of what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And it's just, it's been a phenomenal adventure. I haven't done everything well, but I'm, I'm, you know, going to God going, okay, hey, teach me, what can I do better? What did I miss in that appointment that I need to get next time? And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Well, Bob and I sit around for hours and have conversations about what God's doing in Kingdom Marketplace. That's why I think this podcast came. But one of the things he said to me, I don't know, a year ago, Bob, you said, what would it have been like to be in Jesus's household and Joseph's your father? And he's a you know carpenter or stonework or mason guy who owns his own business. And what was it like to do business with him? Like every, because I have had some bad contractors. I don't know if anyone else has. What would it be like to be with this guy? It was probably like such an experience to have the integrity that Joseph had. And Jesus, then being a carpenter, like you'd want him to be leading the teams on your site. And what would that, I mean, you'd have heaven in contracting. Like you'd have what it's supposed to be because he was represented there so well. And I had never thought of that or even like that idea had never poised to me, but I'm like, I want to do business with Joseph's household. Are you kidding me? Like with Jesus. And I just, when you think you have to become that for the world, like when you think like, this is what I want to be to show off who God is, it changed. Like Bob, see, I've usually, I usually make fun of you the whole time we're on the podcast. This time, <laughs> I'm actually bringing out one of the profound things you said, which you said, many. but yeah, it was super profound though. Like, cause I yeah. just think like, that's what I, I want every, not just not performance pressure to be perfect or holy, but I want relational pressure to make my father's house look good, you know, and to just, to, to give the example of who my father is through everything I'm building. And I, I just, I hear that so much in you, Christian, and just who you are. Bob, final thoughts. Christian, thank you so much for being with us. You were amazing. And I'm just, I'm so excited to walk down this path with you. And, uh, and see the favor and the destiny that God has on you. And I, I can't, I can't wait to continue the conversation and have you back on and, and in our next season. What do you think, Sean? Uh, absolutely. I want to hear more. Yeah. Well, next questions with Bob and Sean. <laughs> I love to create resources that really empower you. And I created a book called Breakthrough Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, which is all about God's name of breakthrough biblically in the Bible and how we are in a breakthrough moment, a moment that we need God to bring a sudden change in our lives, in our governments, in our finances, in our health. And this book is perfect for you because you're going to go through about 11 or 12 different areas of prophesying over yourself, praying for your life, and declaring the word over your situation. And it will bring you breakthrough because God always promises to partner to our prayers and declarations that are biblical based. Plus the prophecies themselves came at a deep time of prayer and meditation with God, where he spoke these to me and I wrote them in the book form so that you could wrap your heart and your spirit around it. Along with Breakthrough, we also have Provision, which is the second book in the series, all about prophecies, prayers, and declarations about bringing God as a provider into your life. For every destiny, there's a resource and a provision from heaven for you right now. But we have a special on these books. There's a bundle at only our website, www.bowlsministries.com, just for you. I want to encourage you to get Breakthrough and Provision now. It's going to help you to rein in 2021 and live in 2021 in the way that you want to. I'm going to encourage you to get this bundle for you or the people you love 
especially if you need well-crafted, constructed prayers that help bring spiritual intelligence about how to use the Word of God and the prophetic words you're getting right now. Now it's time for questions with Bob and Sean from listeners just like you. And Lisa sent in this question from Australia. I am a business owner. My question is, how do you navigate Christians not paying for the services that they have received from your business or just paying in part and not paying the rest or requesting discounts? I don't have any trouble with people who are non-Christians. They all pay on time and pay well. But when it comes to some some Christians, they just expect this discount or for these allowances to be made for them. Uh, yeah, and I just want to do it well. I want to do it with love, but with boundaries and wisdom. Lisa, thanks for the question. And I, I, while, while you were asking the question, Sean and I were both shaking our heads. Um, first, I'd say you collect from Christians the same way you'd collect from everyone else. and you set a price and uh, for your goods or your service and whether I, I can't tell from your question whether it's a small thing whether it's something that uh, people pay for or whether it's a service but at any rate whether you sign a contract or you have an agreed price uh, you give them the product or service and you expect them to pay and and so for me in my business um that's how I handle my business. Whether they're believers or non-believers, I expect them to pay for their services. And uh, I ran into a guy years ago who was an auto mechanic and uh, out of his garage. And so I would take, you know, the cars or the trucks from my company and have him work on them. And I'd always ask him for a discount. And he would say, are you a Christian? And I'd say, yeah. And he goes, thank God, because I believe God is going to give you enough money so that you can pay my bill in full. And then we both <laughs> laugh and I'd pay his bill in full. Awesome. Um, and, and, but at the end of the day, um, you said at the end, you have good wisdom, hold your boundaries. And if they don't want to pay for your product, don't give them your product or service. Yeah. Especially a lot of nonprofits that are both Christian and non-Christian fall into this too. So I don't know what kind of business you're in, but I just think to set the expectation at the front that um, if you're going to require any grace or any any extra, especially if it's a group that you know may not have the financing for your product, that you have that talk up front with people. If you even assume it could happen in a very gentle way of saying, we have a lot to do this year. We're not sure we can work with you. Are you going to be able to, this is our price tag. Are you going to be able to go there? Uh, negotiate financially. I, I, a lot of Christians don't like to do that on, on the upfront, especially when it comes to other believers. It's like they'll be good for it, or they'll be. It'll be okay. It'll work out, and it doesn't. And so, mm-hmm. whenever there's not good financial communication, I feel like we get here. I ran into this a few times when I hired people for production jobs, entertainment industry, and they just assumed some things about what they can get out of me. And so, I would have the talk right up front. And sometimes it would still assume like they were going to get more from me because I was the one who was hiring them or I was their friend or whatever. And it was just, so it was kind of the opposite thing. It's like, not that they weren't paying, but they wanted more out of me because of that. And I just feel like either way, we just have to have clear financial conversations, but it's a great question. Yeah. I love that, Sean. And the other thing is, Lisa, you sound like you're a generous person and I like to pick who I'm going to be generous to or who I'm going to give my product or service to. I don't want other people to dictate to me 
um, because of their circumstances. So thank you so much for the question. And thanks for listening to Exploring the Marketplace with Sean and Bob. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.